0: This is the Menopause Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Gordon. What's up, Menopod? I hope everyone's staying safe with the current wave of COVID. Canceling travel plans has been so hard. My brother wanted to come visit us in Provincetown, but since he had to be on a plane for six hours to travel from Seattle to Boston, he decided against it. It's so hard right now trying to crack the whole corona thing, but we will we're resilient and since we're also social we have to figure it out. I put my faith in the science behind it. In my lifetime I've seen the end of polio, smallpox and HIV as a death sentence thanks to science. Remember when it comes to menopause in life the only constant is change and change is possible but it won't happen overnight just like the vaccines didn't happen overnight right? The first step to change is making the decision to change And then we have to back that up with action. And that's the big challenge. How do we take any action? And even more importantly, what actions are we going to take? The menopause movement is here to help you with all of that. Menopause can be a time of misery, or it can be a time of unapologetic action toward creating a life we love. I woke up in the middle of my menopausal journey, hating myself, my body, and the life I had created. I didn't know what to do, so I went on a quest to find out how to make change happen. The result was the menopause movement and this podcast. The menopause movement has one purpose, to help end the suffering caused by menopause through transformational education and coaching. We wanna help you too. So head on over to menopausemovement.com, take the quiz there. And not only will you discover your type, but we'll also tailor some offerings to help you take back your life from menopause. Getting into the driver's seat of my life was the first step I took to overcome the changes I experienced with menopause. But I did it alone and it was lonely. The Menopause Movement has created a community of women who are unapologetically deciding to become their best selves one small action at a time, and they are kick-ass, let me tell you. You can too. Join our community and start to create a life you love. So today we're talking to Jean Chung, founder and CEO of Mighty. Jean combined her unique professional background with the passion to transform the status quo around women, aging, and menopause. She's part analytical nerd with an engineering degree from University of Michigan and an MBA from MIT, which led her to management consulting and tech investment banking. She is part hippie wellness entrepreneur, having practiced yoga and taught over two decades owned and operated a chain of yoga studios that served nearly a million students, built and led a global yoga teacher training company that trained hundreds of yoga teachers from around the world, and opened and owned a boutique wellness hotel at the forefront of detox and fasting. Her own personal experience with perimenopause was such utter crap she decided to design her own supplement and develop Mighty. And since the beginning, her vision extended beyond menopause because helping women through the menopause transition is more than just modernizing menopause. It's about getting women through menopause so they can be radiant and vital as they age. That means hashtag badass at 80. During the podcast, we discuss Jean's big career pivot to purpose after the dot-com bubble burst. Jean's experience with menopause, dismissive doctors, the supplement that helped her the most and how she was inspired to design something that works. The app her customers use to track symptoms and the effects of supplements, the mighty supplement, the whole line the importance of research, and the fact that change takes time even when we're taking a pill. Now check out uh, the supplement line at menopausemovement.com forward slash mighty where you can buy the supplement and support menopause movement all at once. At the end of the episode, visit menopausemovement.com where you can find the show notes plus the links to the books and resources mentioned in the episode. If you like this episode, don't forget to leave a written review, like, and subscribe on YouTube and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So you're always the first to know when each episode is released. Let me know who we should have on the podcast next. What can we do to make it better? Send me an email at menopausemoment.com or a DM on Instagram or Facebook at drmichellegordon.com. M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-G-O-R-D-O-N. Thanks so much for being a part of the menopause movement. Super, super stoked to have Jean on the show today. Bye. Jean Chung of Mighty Menopause. Welcome to the Menopause Movement podcast. And I would like to know from you, I've got my papers here. I'm looking at your outline. Tell me the origin story. So you started Mighty Menopause because you had a difficult menopause, perimenopause especially, right?
1: Yeah. And before that, what were you doing? Yeah. So before that, it's a very non-normative kind of career. I started out, I had an engineering undergrad. I went to MIT for an MBA. So very like Analytical, if you will, was a management consultant, was a tech investment banker during the first internet boom, super exciting work. And then the, internet- in the two
0: thousand In the early 2000s? In the early 2000s. 1999, yeah. 1998, exactly. yeah, exactly. all the way till 2001,
1: and then <laughs> boom. <laughs> and you yeah. know what? I'll tell everyone if they don't know it already one of the worst jobs to have when the market is crashed is an investment banker. Mm. Pretty obvious statement, um, you yeah. know. And then, and then I quit and became a yoga teacher, and this was a major pivot in my life that Wait, kind of whoa, opened whoa, whoa, whoa. up this whole area for me. <laughs> I'm
0: so sorry, but I just gotta get this. You went from being an inter- investment banker. To like looking for a purpose, yeah. I mean, totally. I think that's that's so huge. So, you, and and you you're like, oh, geez, dang, dang it! I got to find
1: out who dang I am. It. I'm going to
0: do yoga.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. What happened was that that, that dynamic actually didn't un- get uncovered for a while. And I'll tell you okay. the story here. So, I started driving to work downtown, San Francisco. I passed by this little yoga studio, and everyone would be standing outside, and the windows are steamy. It turns out it's a Bikram studio, and mm. I was like, so scary. What's going on there? And then I went there and I couldn't believe how amazing I felt afterward. And I said, I got to keep going. And I kept going and kept going. And I noticed after a couple months, like I'd kicked sugar, you know, after mm-hmm. a couple of months, I was just like kind of eating better, sleeping better. I was training for a marathon and my knees were killing me. And after a couple of weeks, like no knee pain, I was walking up and down my stairs in the house. I was thinking like, wait, something changed. Like what's going on here? And I was like, screw it, I'm done. I'm done with marathons, I'm all in for yoga. And it took me a while to understand that dynamic of like how mm-hmm. it changes who you are, how you feel in, the, in your body, the decisions that you're making. And it just kind of took off inside me. Like I dig it, I dug it, I became a teacher. Like it was just my thing, my jam well, for a long time. I
0: mean, I think yoga is really interesting because there's a lot of different f- types of yoga, right? And the yoga that we know is the kind where you move your body and you kinda of try and figure out how to c- connect your mind and your body and get them in alignment. And then and then there's the kind that comes from India that is just breath work that uh-huh. gets you in touch with your subconscious mind and your imagination and you know, whatever whatever you want to call God. Uh-huh. And and that's very different. That's very, very different from
1: yeah. Yeah, Mm where we're we're focused physically here in the US. What I love about it, I've always, I've always positioned, not always, like being in um, hot yoga, becoming a hot yoga teacher, I built a yoga teacher training program uh, that trained hundreds of people from around the world to become yoga teachers. That it's kind of like, I call it sneaky yoga. So it, in, when you see it, it's like a workout. But what's really happening is the first level of like mastery of the body, mastery of the breath. And then you start to get into this world, whether you like it or not, whether you wanted it or not, in the space like, what's happening in my mind? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you get to that level. And that's why I really dig hot yoga because it's so sneaky. Like, it's actually like the catalyst for some yoga, but comes in like, you know, just kind of like a very American, like, push hard packaging
0: yeah. <laughs> i love that and you know it's so funny because we have this opportunity in menopause especially to really re-examine everything that we you know all the choices we made up until this point and you know I, I don't know if it's the chemistry i mean i don't have the data right but if it's the if it's the the changes of the brain because of loss of estrogen you know that leads to brain fog and, and all sorts of other things sleep disturbance that leads to brain fog But I I just think there's such an opportunity for reexamination because menopause is is a time where we start to really examine who we are. Mm -hmm. And not everyone. Some people go through menopause and it's like nothing. But for me, it was just like, you know, I woke up in the middle of my menopause, like, what kind of life did I create? I'm not happy. I don't love this. I don't want to do this. Yeah. And I was, you know, I was making a lot of money. And I was like, this this isn't the life I want. I, I need to do something different. And I had to reinvent myself.
1: Yeah. And it's scary and exciting. And I think Mm -hmm. we have to say, keep reminding us that it's exciting also, (laughs) like maybe more than scary. And yeah, you've heard, have you heard of the happiness curve, the U curve? That's, uh, that's the guy from, uh, from Harvard, right? Yeah. And he mapped it out. And like, basically, the bottom of your happiness is around 47, which pretty much ties with perimenopause, right? The kickoff of perimenopause. (laughs) So yeah. all of it culminates and I think that's the challenge of women as we go through menopause. We cannot extract mm. aging. We cannot extract the happiness, the, the bottom of the happiness curve from the whole experience because it's all mushed together. Yeah. And it takes a lot of commitment and awareness to say like, even the basic things like, how are my periods before? And then how are they now in preparing menopause? And like, I can't remember. And why is that? It's because no one took me seriously. So I didn't take myself seriously. I was too busy raising kids, like so many reasons, but it forces us to say, well, okay, where are we now? Mm-hmm. Where have we been? And then where are we going to go?
0: Yeah. And I think, I think with menopause, there's such a, it's such a great opportunity for us to say, well, not only are we forced to maybe examine mortality in a different way because our parents are aging and we have to, you know, deal with, I mean, if, if our parents have lived that long, you know, deal with the mortality on that, but then our own mortality is our Mm -hmm. children have grown up and maybe have left the nest. And it's like, what am I doing now? Right. Like, And and, and so, Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. Who am I? And so we have, we have this, this, this existential crisis, a lot of us. And that's where, that's where it's, I mean, that's what the menopause movement is there for to kind of help you figure out who you are again. So with you, so, so let me so, hear uh, okay. your about your your perimenopause. How how your your own personal experience with perimenopause was such utter crap. So, yeah.
1: those are the two like most straightforward words I could use. Uh, so, yeah. I was forty seven and just like right on the kind of average timing. And I started to have some really mm-hmm. strange pain. And the way I just I start to lead this up by saying, for adult women who've been menstruating, we know the difference, right? upper abdominal pain, lower abdominal pain, UTI, menstrual cramps, even like a vaginal infection, ovulation pain. Like we all know the difference. Like we were like, okay, this is not cramps. This is something else. It turns out just my vulva, like we're just sore. The whole thing was Mm -hmm. sores, increasingly sore, it's hard to sit. And it's very peculiar because like doesn't really happen that much and no one ever talks mm-hmm. about it and so I said okay this is enough to go to the doctor so I went to a new gynecologist and it just was like such freaking joke like it was so bad I was well yeah. I have this thing and I described it and I said I think I'm you know coming up to menopause I'd like to take a test the guy was like you don't need a test the test's not going to tell you anything and I agree like a one-off test doesn't tell you much so I agree with that but I said look I, and I done two rounds of IVF in the past five years. So I said, you know, I have test level data and I'd like to make a comparison. And I like to think I'm a fairly articulate person making my case and yeah. got completely dismissed and dismissed. dismissed. Oh, dismissed what? by a doctor? No. Yeah. What a surprise. Really? Yeah. And so, surprise. so, so, so you know, a surprise.
0: <laughs> so, but, but you know what? I mean, like I'm a doctor and part of my thing was my friends said, oh yeah, you'll just got to suffer through it and that was like this is ridiculous there's no yeah. reason why we should have to suffer through anything yeah so you know yeah. and that that's that helped bring on the menopause movement but on top of that there's there's this whole you know misogyny especially in america and mm-hmm. and shame around female issues because yep. of the way that you know the patriarchy and
1: mm-hmm. you know we talk
0: about that almost every podcast yep. and then on top of that there's this like lack of education like like mm-hmm. lack of lack of research, yeah. lack of education, yeah. And so it's like, well, you know, wh- why do I have to suffer? Mm-hmm. And and it's true. I mean, they're not gonna they're not gonna check your your blood because you have to have you know multiple tests, and mm-hmm. the FSH has to be high in more than one test, mm-hmm. and even then, it's like that may or may not tell you anything. And right. and so perimenopause is hard. To diagnose yep. yeah. it's, it's really you know diagnosis of exclusion more yep. than anything else
1: yeah and i and i appreciate that and i understood the point but then i was like i i would like to make a comparison sure um and it and it didn't happen and so i was like okay fine i leave and i'm just disappointed and this is the other mm-hmm. crap part so it started to, the symptoms got worse right i all like couldn't concentrate like my vulva just hurts so much and mm-hmm. so i sent an email said and I described it and I said, here's the deal, I need some support, it's getting worse. The email that came back basically said, one, all women are different. Two, you're just gonna have to suffer. Three, we don't have anything for you unless you want pain meds. Wow, so basically, I don't know what the fuck's going on, Right. but you just got to you're on
0: your own. Yeah, or have some opioids, right? Like, wow. Yeah, oh yeah. And, and I mean, I, I can imagine that like a little bit of testosterone cream probably would have fixed you. <laughs>
1: or progesterone (laughs) as I understand it like I what I and that led me to kind of the path towards mighty but something would have fixed me and I think the other in addition to the patriarchy that it's you know most gynees are also obese and there's not a lot of incentive right to deal with a woman and kind of like an incremental symptom on a long arc where it's there's not a lot of understanding how they would make money by spending the time.
0: Well, it's it's hard to say. I know plenty of uh, gynecologists who have given up OB because of the risk or the cost, you know, and they like the primary care aspect of it. And gynecologists are considered primary care, at least, you know, in America. I mean, I don't love our healthcare system. And I'm out of it because of the way that insurance companies, you know, have have turned everything into profit and and corporations have taken over medicine. The relationship between the doctor and the patient is really over now. It's too bad. And Mm -hmm. that's just the way it is. But so all right. So let's go back to your vulva pain. Mm-hmm. You had vulva pain and then
1: you got dismissed. So what what happened next? So what happened is when I got that message, it was just a very bright line. Like, There's no help for me here. I'm going to have to do yeah. this on myself. So it's a good like DIY roll of my sleeves, like a woman getting shit done, just started to research. And I said, okay, what is available for me? And this was, so it's, this was four or five years ago and mm-hmm. not a lot of talk on menopause on the internet. So I'm digging through forums and random like websites and trying to find uh, plant-based remedies. And I came across a bunch of different sources that pointed to the same thing, which is Chase Berry or Vitex Agnes, Vitex Agnes. and mm-hmm. I started using it. And I had relieved my symptoms within two weeks. Wow. But I took it in a way that was very deliberate. So I have an opinion about supplements. And so if you take a bunch of supplements, and they're meant to go into your blood and you've just eaten three pieces of pizza, like it's gonna Mm. be really hard for that to get through the stomach through to the liver for it to get into your blood. So I took chaseberry as a tincture and I took it always on an empty stomach before I went to bed because I wanted to get the chaseberry in (laughs) Yeah, And I think the delivery was really important. And the takeaway is that Chase Berry really helped. And as I understand Chaseberry and the research that I've come across is that it stimulates LH production out of the pituitary, which then in turn will stimulate progesterone. So it doesn't stimulate progesterone, it doesn't mimic progesterone, but it stimulates production, which I thought was one, pretty cool. And two, yeah. understandable mapping it to my result.
0: Well, it has to, in order for progesterone to be made, it has to do something in the pulsing because one of the reasons why we go into menopause is because the LH and FSH are consistently high. And when they're and when those don't pulse, then we stop cycling, right when they're when they stay high, we stop cycling. And so I you know, I don't understand the mechanism of action. And I I actually am not a huge proponent of any pill powder potion or patch, because menopause is a natural rebalancing of our hormones. Mm -hmm. That's That's part of it. The the reason why I think our menopause is so hard in the Western world is because of the of the external influences from our diet more than anything else. Yes. And so when you're saying, you know, pizza, you know, yeah, I mean your body's gonna work really hard to metabolize all that vegetable oil and cheese and, Mm -hmm. you know, cheese proteins and stuff to, to get stuff in, you know, through and then, and then on top of that, taking the supplement. So when it comes to taking a supplement, I think you made a really good point that you took it very intentionally. And I think what happens is that a lot of people will say, well, let me try this, let me try this, let me try this. And then they don't, because we're taught in school, like how to do an experiment, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But oftentimes we don't follow those rules. And so instead of changing just one thing and then keeping track, because it takes a couple of weeks when you're taking something orally mm-hmm. to see a change, instead of doing that, what we'll do is we will just say, well, I'm gonna take this, I'm gonna take this, I'm gonna take this. And then before you know it, you're taking a handful of pills twice a day mm-hmm. and you still don't feel any better and you don't know which one's working. Right,
1: yep. And it's very, it can be frustrating for people. I've done the same thing. And you know, I look at it from the choice that we make how hard it is to track. Like, what Mm -hmm. am I really dealing with? Am I dealing with anxiety? Am I dealing with heavy bleeding? Am I dealing with sleeplessness? Like, what's the thing that I want to address? How am I doing it? And layering a whole thing of management around it. So when do I take it? How do I feel? Okay, let's do the experiment for a month. And we're like, so busy and easily <laughs> distracted, that it's hard to execute for sure. Yeah. I
0: think it's so important that we do these things with intention. And that's why you have your app, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So let's so, let's hear about this app that you have. What's it yeah, called? So it's called the Wellness Data Service. It's not the most brilliant name. Um, but in fact, essentially, it is a daily reminder. It is a weekly symptom check-in. At the end of every month, we generate a trend line chart and send it to you. So the idea was specifically around what we're just talking about. We make it, we're having a problem, we make a decision to force some change, and we're in the moment, we're going to start. What do we need around it to make sure we're at success at the end? Mm-hmm. So I created this thing for women so they can, it's all via text message, so there's no separate app yet, but we're not, right now it's by text message. And so woman says like, you know what? I work out at seven. I'm out of the shower by 7.45. Before I eat breakfast at 8.17, I'd like a message at 8.12. And so we can send nice. a message at 8.12 and be like, hey, Dr. Gordon, like time to take your supplement. And then if you give us a thumbs up or the letter Y we can track at the end of the month. So we can say, hey, your hit rate was 20 out of 30. So therefore you can kind of conclude that you did the best you could from intake And then you can look at the results. But if it said like, hey, you only did 14 out of 30, like we're going to have to try again. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. So that's the track. That's the daily reminder. And then what we have is you can track two symptoms and you can call it anything you want. So you can call it sleeplessness, bad mood, like ragey lady, like whatever the tag is. We capture it and we say- Alien. Yeah, exactly, alien Alien life form. (laughs) Um, And then we'll use your your language and say like, hey, Jean, last week for sleeplessness. Last week in alien life form, you were seven. How are you this week? And you take a moment and you give us a number and then we'll just give you a chart. So you can then at the end of the month, every bottle is 30 days worth. At the end of the month you can have, okay, the empty bottle, how you feel, and then actually a picture of how you've told us you felt, and you can just use that information to make another decision. So
0: I think that's so, so good. And and the reason why I say that is because as a behavior change expert, we spend a lot of time inside of the menopause movement helping women reach their goals. And the way we do that is through deliberate tracking mm-hmm. of what we're going to do. You know, we start out at, you know, women join us for a year and I say, okay, what are we going to get done this year? And how are we going to measure it? And what are we going to do? And so, you know, and then, and then we have inside of, inside of our monthly content, it's like, here's, here's some things to make, to make your life better. We talk about wellness. We talk about appreciation and gratitude. And then we go into let's change your behavior and we talk about how to track. You know, like like the, the best ways to to keep track of, of your behavior changes. is something like like let's say you want to quit smoking and you need to like keep track of your of your cravings. Right. You can take a penny from one thing to another or, a, you know, a bead or something. So there's a lot of ways to track your behavior. And so for for what you're doing, I think that's really great to especially when it comes to behavior to say, hey, you know, did you do it? Did you follow mm-hmm. through? Did you do what you said you were going to do? And that comes back to personal
1: integrity mm-hmm. as well. you know so important yeah absolutely and i love the idea of behavior change because the choice to do something about symptom relief right is then a new behavior right yeah a new daily behavior to take a supplement or to exercise or do like five minutes of weight training whatever it is like that's a commitment and how do you how can mighty help support that in a way one of my users has said to me like what I love about she's raising two girls and she said what I love about it's like I get a message and it's like someone's caring about me like I care about everyone else in this house but it just feels like someone is caring about me and it feels really good and the experience really expands.
0: Yeah, so that's really important because one of the, I mean, we've surveyed over 50,000 women in menopause here at the Menopause Movement. So we we have a good idea. Yeah, we have a good idea of how how menopause affects women. And in the internal struggle, one of the biggest ones is I feel lost and lonely. I don't, you know, I don't have anyone to talk to. I feel like I'm the only one. And, you know, you can only, I mean, you know, the podcast is great and and we can only raise so much awareness. What we're trying to do is build a community so that people have the ability to support each other.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And, you know, what? if you're listening to this and, and you're feeling lost and lonely, you don't have to because that's why we're here. Yeah. Right. We're here for you. <clears throat> yeah. We're definitely here for you. All right. Let's talk about your supplement, mm-hmm. the Mighty Formula. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about how you came across that and, and you know, what you wanted it to do
1: and, and how you tested it. Yeah. Sure. So I'll tell you the history. So one was Chaseberry, my experience with Chaseberry. And then, I'm um, coupling that with research that I could find that supported its mechanism to the best that it can, because yeah. the research is scant, it's not entirely super robust. But to me, it it, ma- it matched with kind of traditional usage of the plant, with a uh, modern like herbalist and botanist, how they look at it and the and, and where they use it, as well as the research that had been uh, that was available on it. And my personal experience, I said, okay, I think this is a winner. <laughs> Then uh, my other symptom happened, which was I was having really heavy bleeding. And Mm -hmm. my first heavy bleed was like almost three weeks, which is a lot, like we all can appreciate how bad it is. And then I'd come to understand, right? And it's funny that I didn't know this before or knew it at the top of mind, is estrogen builds endometrial lining. And so one could then logically conclude there's a lot of estrogen in my body to make me bleed for three weeks. And we know that progesterone wanes, so the estrogenic effect, the estrogen effect is so much more because you don't have progesterone to balance it out. So I was like, okay, a lot of estrogen. Then I came across DIM, which I think it's diindolylmethane, okay. which is the phytochemical in cauliflower, cruciferous vegetables, cauliflower, broccoli, and it is known to metabolize estrogen. So I speaking to a functional medicine doctor, and said, oh, we we use DIM because it metabolizes estrogen. I said, okay. That's one point of proof. Then I started researching DIM, and this is a great story to share because it also points to the patriarchy. Yeah. So um, so DIM was popularized by male bodybuilders in the 70s or 80s because they were okay. trying to maximize effects of testosterone by getting rid of any endogenous estrogen. So they were taking DIM. They found it, they took DIM. And then all this research magically happens, right? So there's actually a fair amount of research around DIM and its efficacy for- On um, men. DIM on estrogen. I don't okay. know if the subjects were, the impetus was around male bodybuilders. Yeah. The studies, this is a good question. I'm not sure if there are men or women, but it shows, they might've been just on mice, oh. but it shows- Mice
0: doesn't really, mice doesn't really like translate to the human human metabolism in the same way. It's It's-
1: but it's an, it, it can it be an indicator.
0: It can be, but I mean, you know, it's a completely different species. I, I yeah. I mean, I, I know we got to test some things, but but it's uh, you know until we get to double blind placebo controlled trials, it's really hard to know what the truth is.
1: Right. Yeah. For humans. Yeah. Absolutely. But, all right. So anyway, um, well, so let's the hear about the that mice I've studies. Seen shows that dim does metabolize estrogen and also it creates the positive estrogen metabolites and so okay i was like okay this is good and then i also used dim when i was having my heavy periods and, and right. mitigated them right then yeah and then i had some other cr- like another crazy long period and i was like okay so i'm down with dim and i'm down with chaseberry to manage these the design of the formula was understanding what is available in the market and i can appreciate that in the market in the U.S., it's unregulated. Things are inconsistent. It's kind of all over the board. Are you getting extract? Are you getting just the plant? It's kind of a mess. But I took it as a lead, as kind of the the normative dosing amount and what they're looking for in percentage or ratio of active ingredient. And so I took those from those two different ingredients and used those as the primary ingredients because I wanted to address the kind of the root causes underneath. The common uh, symptoms of early perimenopause, which are heavy bleeding, high anxiety, kickoff of night flash, night uh, night sweats, yeah, and heavy bleeding and kickoff of night sweats and anxiety are the big ones,
0: right? Yeah, anxiety gets really amped up in menopause and perimenopause. It's really crazy. Yeah.
1: Have you seen the study? (laughs) This is where I've gone with. It's not even a study. I think it's well known that estrogen. The drop in estrogen creates anxiety feelings. I haven't seen that study, but it's not surprising to me. I mean, the
0: estrogen's effects on the brain are so profound that you know we're used to having so much estrogen, and then you know it just it kind of wanes, and it's and for some women, it's not it's not like a mild like slow decline. It's like boom, it's gone, Mm -hmm. and that and that that's weird, and Mm -hmm. the brain has to readjust, right. And the one thing I want to say here is that if we did orchiectomies, which is removing of the testicles as readily as we did hysterectomies, mm-hmm. full hysterectomies, that there would be, I mean, you know, if, if you, men who get their, their testicles removed are, are men who either have advanced prostate cancer or testicular cancer, mm-hmm. right? Women who get their ovaries and their uterus is removed are women who have some symptoms that can probably be treated, uh-huh, you know uh-huh. and it's just like oh let's just go remove this because it's internal yeah. so it doesn't matter exactly oh my i can't believe you said that this is my
1: this is my i have very strong opinions i think we have the similar ones it's yeah. the attitude like well i don't see it you don't need it let's just take it out and it's I mean, listen, if we told it, men that we had to take I their know. balls off you know they would be like oh, what yeah, i know <laughs> i know oh my god it's Yes, completely agree. It is yeah. outrageous the rate at which we do hysterectomies. And yeah. I was remarking or I was remarking that I talked to a lot of women my age, I'm 53, and they're saying, like, you know, I asked my mom and she can't tell me because she had a hysterectomy and yeah. it was so frequent and it's something like 30% higher, like the number of hysterectomies in the US versus Europe. It's-
0: yeah, it's ridiculous, I have to say, and I'm a surgeon, right? And I've done hysterectomies and, and you know, with, with the OBGYNs and, and I just, it's just really ridiculous, the, yeah. whole, the whole thing. And yeah. the fact that we go to that more than anything else. It, yeah. And so if you listen, if you're listening to this and and you don't have a cancer, Confirm you know, I mean, because obviously cancer, you got to mm-hmm. cut it out. Mm-hmm. But if it's not a cancer and they're just saying, you know, you need a hysterectomy, I think, you know, a second or third or fourth opinion might be in order mm-hmm. because there are things you can do. And like my mom had a hysterectomy when, when she was in her 30s because she couldn't stop bleeding.
1: And, you know, your supplement may have helped her. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And and the more we know, the more data we have the real, the more, the more insight we have around endocrinology, like what happens over time? What happens really yeah. over the population of women during reproductive years and perimenopause and later postmenopause? And we could really understand, right? Like, how your mom compares to the norm. How you? And how are you going to it? get funding for a study like that? Oh, my God, right? I'm working I mean, on the, it.
0: <laughs> well, that's but that's the thing. I mean, the problem is is that women are second-class citizens, or they have been. Now, mm-hmm. We're not so much anymore. We're starting to speak up. You know, mm-hmm. back five years ago, it was hard to find anybody talking about menopause. Now there's so many of us talking about menopause. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the information in Dr. Google is still very, very disjointed and weird. Yep. And, yep. and that's why, you know, that that was actually the main reason why I started the menopause movement, because I was like, hey... Mm-hmm. I have menopause. What what the hell? Maybe I can find a course. Somebody can show <laughs> me what's going on. Yeah. And I th- I couldn't find one, and so yeah. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to create one. There's a need. Yeah. And that's that's how I got started. But in terms of, you know, getting a, a, a study funded, I mean, you know, you'd need to it it have to be almost as big as, you know, the the studies that were done in the early 2000s about, you know, estrogen and progesterone and mm-hmm. I mean, you'd want you'd want a really really big study like that. Right. In, a
1: big study long term, right? Because no. you want to see what happens over time. And yeah, yeah. that's a big pitch. Um, I think there are ways to kind of start like chipping away at lack of data problem. Uh, and that's what I'm looking at. Yes, yeah, well, I maybe just, you
0: can, you know, go back to Boston and, and get, you know, Harvard or, yeah. or, uh, you know, get MassHealth to, to, to sponsor a study.
1: Yeah, totally, totally. And making yeah. some connections. I'll keep you posted. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I don't have to worry about research. <laughs> yeah that is that is no joke that research thing um yeah but yeah but the the data is really important i look at a lot of women's health actually maybe the entirety of women's health outside of very acute extreme situations like cancer is a lot of conjecture so try the it's like try the hrt see how you go Uh, you're 17 you're having problems with your peers just take the birth control like see how you go and it's a very blunt instrument for a very sophisticated situation and i'm i'm not a fan
0: yeah so in, inside of your, uh, in your formula, you have some milk thistle. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's so important because milk thistle is proven to support the liver. Yeah. It helps to detoxify the liver. And actually, IV milk thistle is the remedy for the death cat mushroom. It is not ah. authorized in the US, but it's used in Europe uh, because that's the
1: remedy and it works. Yeah, it's death amazing. Cat mushrooms There's kill. a lot of strong research around milk thistle that it can reverse cirrhotic liver cells like it's really amazing
0: yeah i used to take it but i don't do anything that damages my liver anymore so
1: so there's (laughs) no need i love it i love it yeah
0: i mean every once in a while i have a drink but it's really really rare and Mm -hmm. and i think that you know one thing that that is so prevalent in our in our diets that is damaging to the liver and and would be a reason for any woman to take milk thistle is high fructose corn syrup and Mm -hmm. if you're because it's metabolized in the liver just like uh, alcohol and so if you're drinking a lot of soda or you're drinking a lot of gatorade or things that you think are healthy they have these uh, non-healthy sugars in them made from corn the byproduct of the corn industry and remember you know the government doesn't care about your health, even though mm-hmm. you think it does. Mm-hmm. Corporations don't care about your health. They, mm-hmm. All they care about is profit. And the, the high fructose corn syrup they found out was, oh, hey, really, really great. We got corn. We can turn it into something uh-huh. sweet and without any care about how it's metabolized. Mm-hmm. And so it's really important, I think, for us to support ourselves by either you know, not not buying those products. That's one way we can we can we can vote with our wallets, but you know I don't have a big enough platform to really affect, you know, the soda pop industry. Mm-hmm. But but we can still do that and you know insist on cane sugar, or the better thing is to you know not drink it at all, and and also support your liver with a little bit of milk thistle mm-hmm. or or with this mighty uh, supplement. So yeah. how does this bio help the bioavailability?
1: Uh, I love um, by this the story about bioprene. But the other thing I like about milk thistle and bioprene is that there's kind of the historic usage, traditional medicine, and then how science and research now supports it. So milk thistle was a traditional plant remedy, and now we have really strong research that shows that it is, in fact, effective. Same with bioprene. So bioprene is a phytochemical that pa- takes an act, the active green out of black pepper. Black okay. pepper from um, Ayurveda is, says like it, it does enhance like whatever you're eating for it to be mm-hmm. those ner- the nutrients to get to your body. And so, and there's uh, strong research around bioprene as well.
0: Well, so is there a reason why you don't have turmeric in your, uh, in your supplement? You if know, you have
1: I, I look at turmeric. I understand turmeric as an anti-inflammatory and also kind yeah. of helps digestion a little bit. Um, I didn't design this for kind of overall support and balance that you would for other things like a B12 complex or magnesium mm-hmm. calcium support. This is really designed specifically for the hormonal profile that is causing those key symptoms, the common symptoms in early perimenopause. Fantastic. You
0: know, it's really important to know exactly what you're after, yeah. Yes. You know, and and to and to you you know, I mean, we we have a, a business saying that the riches are in the niches, right? <laughs> um, but on top of that, I mean, you're focusing on one thing, one thing, you know, perimenopause symptoms, let's make them better. So I think that's awesome. And with this supplement, okay, somebody in perimenopause, so somebody in their late 30s, early 40s, who's starting to, you know, maybe have irregular periods or just starting to notice that they're like all over the place mood wise, you know, and that's without symptoms, without maybe hot flashes or weight gain or anything, just like, like the, the, the moodiness and the alien, the menopausal alien,
1: how long after they start taking it, will they start to see some results? I have feedback from my customers anywhere from two weeks to two months.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it would depend also if, if heavy bleeding is one of the symptoms we're trying to address, then when you start it, would impact that. So if let's say you're starting it as your endometrial lining is being built, it will mitigate. But if you're starting it like post cycle and the endometrial lining has already been built, it's going to take a while for it to impact it. I have one, a couple women who have come back and said that my like within a few days, and this is you know like this is aberrational. I understand that like the mm-hmm. nature of it, it takes a while, but within a few days or a couple, uh, within a few days, her hot flashes reduced. Within a week, she was sleeping again. Another woman was yeah. just sleeping. She hadn't slept through the night in a couple of years. And I know it sounds really snake oily and I and I want to emphasize that I'm not saying like this is gonna happen to you, but what I point to in the feedback is that there is a mechanism that's happening. There's something in the supplement. For example, I look at the woman who couldn't sleep for two years through the night as an indication where we know that progesterone metabolizes into melatonin. So when progesterone is low, your endogenous melatonin is really low. You're not sleeping through the night, et cetera. And Mm -hmm. when she started to have a using chaseberry to boost uh, progesterone production, that she started to have, I'm concluding, enough melatonin to keep her sleeping through the night. Yeah,
0: well, it could be that. It also, you know, I mean, progesterone has a calming effect. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that Mm -hmm. it can do. So one thing I want to emphasize to anyone who's going to go and try this is that it takes time. Mm-hmm. just like when you decide you want to lose weight and you can't lose hundred pounds overnight, but you have to start making the decisions as if you already had lost that weight. It's the same thing when, when you start even with a supplement, if you're going to go after a supplement to help you, you have to know that, that it's not going to happen overnight. You've got to give it time. And the changes, if you don't keep track of what's happening in your life, like right when you start it to the point, like after taking it for a couple, couple of months or a couple of weeks, even you're not going to know that there's any changes because you're going to feel better and you're going to start mm-hmm. doing things that you weren't doing before. Right. And right. when you start to feel better, you know you're not, you you may not attribute it to the change that you made. That's why we recommend you only change one thing at a time, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to you know a supplement or a
1: medication. Yeah. I think that's really, really important. Yeah, it's so great that you emphasize that because I also... It points to just that sense of commu- commitment to yourself, you are saying early, like the integrity you have around your decisions, like mm-hmm. you're making a decision, you're making the most informed decision that you can for the thing you want to achieve, and paying attention to it to make sure that you're paying attention to what's happening.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. So, tell me about the data that you got in terms of like when you started putting this together. How did you how did you do the research, and is this an evidence based kind of supplement? So,
1: there, as you pointed out, there aren't a lot of placebo controlled double lines studies around supplements in and of themselves, whether they're phytochemicals or plants, plant and botanical products. So, it ends up being a like a quilt. Of different resources so looking at does this particular like there's a um, chaseberry uh, there are a couple studies around chaseberry they're fairly small looking at cycle regulation and so mm-hmm. that's not necessarily mapped to a perimenopausal woman but understanding the mechanism around adding chaseberry to regulate the cycle that to me is reasonable enough to to say like okay i can i can rely on this that that's yeah going to help regulate a woman's cycle and if it's regulating her cycle it's likely affecting progesterone so there is that and so then there was the milk thistle and then there's the dim we talked about so yeah. it's a matter of and this is one of the things that I want to fix i see as the future of women's health menopause of women's health is that we have all these research studies small medium Sometimes, you know, it's like, does this herb affect women taking tamoxifen? And Anything like, okay, like, mm-hmm. that's great to know. But can we extrapolate that study to a larger population or this particular <laughs> cohort of a population? Like, we're stuck there. It's kind of crappy. So, yeah. you know, doing the best I can. And I'm a fan of mapping traditional, like traditional me- plant medicine with current research. To say, mm-hmm. like, okay, we have both. As much as I'm like a modern, like problem-solving analytical nerd, I also there's part of me that's like a deep hippie witch. And <laughs> I, I love that. And I am down with the plant medicine. And I don't want us to, there's like, oh, plants, herbs, supplements, blah, blah, blah. There is deep wisdom for many millennia in cultures around the world that have plant that have healed their humans with the plants available. And I would even argue that modern medicine was rooted in, why does this plant work? Let's put it under a microscope. Let's extract what actually worked. And then there we go. And now it's like the source of it is like poo-pooed. So I really want to embrace both. And that's what yeah, I that's good. pull to the table for yeah. Mighty. Like I want to be hip and cool, but also witchy.
0: Yeah, no, that's really good because, you know, people have been healing other people for, you know, 5,000, 6,000 years. And we've got ancient wisdom from the Amazonian rainforest. And we've got ancient wisdom from Chinese medicine and ancient wisdom from Korea. And so it's not like because we have laboratories now and we come from, <laughs> you know, Europe and th- that we're better and so, you know, it's almost yeah. like, I mean, I hate to say this, but it's almost like the, you know, the racism of, um, that America was built on, you know, has really mm-hmm. just played out throughout like the, the, as medicine has grown up, mm-hmm. in, especially in America. And America thinks they're the best, you know, have the best outcomes and all the things. And, you know, when you start to look at, at simple things like birth rates, you mm-hmm. know, maybe America isn't number one. Right, and, and but yet we spend more money per capita on healthcare. Yeah, I know because We're of insurance companies.
1: We're number one there on that list.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That because of insurance companies and and the fact that you know those guys are getting paid. I mean, think about the the, the bonuses that the insurance company CEOs um, uh, are getting. Yeah, yeah you know. it's and and I'm not against money. profit. I love profit. I think profit is fantastic. I think I think money is great. I love money but you know there's there's ethics involved and mm-hmm. and when when the insurance companies stopped being not for profit that's when all of our healthcare costs went up
1: mm-hmm. you know yeah.
0: that was a it's, long time
1: ago yeah it's a it's a crazy world from that perspective but i think mm-hmm. that you know to your point of like where we are now in modern science that it's so provable it's so easy to say like it's 7 it's this is 7 like it impacts yeah. 7 people or it's the level 7 in your blood that it's like okay like that it's almost irrefutable therefore it becomes kind of normative like let's mm. just think about this um, like it's a square you're like okay it's a square cuz it's 90 degrees in four places okay <laughs> yeah. what and then you're like what about this beautiful architecture and a tree you're like mm, i'm not so sure i can't measure it or you know and so yeah. i think it's important to i always want to kind of pull in both i love being a modern human being in the modern world but i'm really drawn to kind of what we've done as humans for even longer.
0: Yeah, no, that's really, really good. And, and you know, it, it's funny because I have a friend who was a Chinese medicine practitioner, and she said that there wasn't even a word for menopause in Chinese until recently. I heard, oh, my God, I heard that too. Yep. Yeah. 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 Beca- and that's because, because, really telling. Yeah, it, it has to do with environmental toxins and food toxins and things like that, for sure.
1: And also c- so, cultural orientation around life. Like menopause is a thing. It's a problem. You're losing your youth and your femininity. We need to fix it to like, okay, now you're just no longer allowed you're not no longer capable of having babies. Let's just sort you out for your things. Well, not only that, but where's the wisdom, right?
0: Maybe. I mean the yeah. crone, the wisdom of the crone and Absolutely. all those things. Yeah. Yeah. So we're we're trying to bring that back. I mean, I like to say that that I'm 56 years old. I'm going to be 57 in October. And I can do more with this body than I was able to do when I was 18, 19 years old, you know? I mean, I, I can run for f- 45 minutes to an hour to an hour and a half without stopping if I want to, you know, I mean, I can, I can lift heavier weights. I can ride my bike longer. I can, you know, from a physical standpoint, I can do a lot more. My brain works well. I don't have a lot of aches and pains. I mean, it's just, it's really awesome. I, I'm, I'm, I love this life that I have yeah. now. Yeah. Absolutely. You know? And, and I just want, I want today to be better than yesterday. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. it. That's all I look for. Yeah. So tell me, uh, was there
1: anything else you were hoping to share that we didn't get to? No, I'm really happy to share about perimenopause and for women to understand really like what's happening at early perimenopause and start paying attention to it. Um, That is always my first message when I'm talking about Mighty and menopause. Then thinking about the other thing I would just share as suggestion and or advice for women is there's now there's increasing amounts of resources for menopause doctors coaches uh, companies bloggers like all the things and that really look to them all and like I'm I'm also inclined to do is just like kind of pull together and see like where they overlay like oh this makes sense okay they're both saying the same thing why are they saying something slightly different and Try and spend some time figuring out. I know we're all super busy, but it'll empower decisions later, right? To be able to say, oh, right, I heard that here. And they're both saying this about HRT and this is different or there's not something new that came out and understanding what's important to you. I think that's really valuable and that's another level of commitment. The other thing, if I could add, and this is just another like PSA. Sure. So I also often, when I start talking about menopause, I give this layout of context we use menopause, the word menopause, in different ways. One is the 12-month anniversary of your final menstrual period. So menopause yeah. is a day in your life. Then Unless you're you talk in your about, 40s. Yeah. Unless you're in your 40s, then, well, it's, 20, it's, then it's 24 months. Right. Oh, yeah. oh really? Okay, got yeah. it. I'll remember that. And then there's menopause as like this thing that happens to women in a large chunk, and you're always in menopause, which is like a state of always having been post-puberty, like you're post-menopause. And mm. then there's the menopause transition. So when I talk about menopause, I talk about those years where it's symptomatic, where hormone profile is changing from one to the other, and that's like the messy time. And I always urge women to think about that when they're reading, are they talking about menopause the day? Are they talking about menopause, the transition, or menopause is kind of this mm. state or phase of the body being post yeah,
0: I mean, but the thing is, is that is that some women have symptoms for the rest of their lives. I mean, I still get hot mm-hmm. flashes, and I haven't had a period in years. So. It's, it's just something that we, I mean, that that's why we're here. It's a phase mm-hmm. we all get to go through if we live yeah. long enough. Yeah. And I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, we're lucky. It may suck for a little while, but we can deal with it. And yeah. especially if we if find something that works, that, yeah. that can help us. So, uh, so if you want to get this supplement, you can go to menopausemovement.com forward slash mighty, and we can hook that up. We'll also hook that up in the show notes and you can try it out and, you know, let us know what you think. Absolutely. And also try all out right. the symptom tracker. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks so much for being a part of the menopause movement today,
1: Jean. Absolutely. I appreciate you. This yeah, has been great. I appreciate it too. It's been wonderful.